guys, welcome back to Gaming Trend Podcast. This is your host, Erica, and today I'm joined with... Oh, the wonderful, incredibly hot and humid, because I live in Texas, John. It is like a dog's wet mouth here. Oh, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. There's other things that has been in that mouth. No. <laughs> it's It's been getting ridiculous. Um, this week's episode is After School Special. Yay! <laughs> this is the afternoon. <laughs> We're going to be talking about games that have um, moral teaching life lesson meeting. Oh, there we go. Now pay attention, kids. This is nothing like dare. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into Game On. Game On! So before I even start listing off any video games, I just want to say that this is a spoiler episode in some ways. So if you don't want to listen or you want to listen a little bit and skip to the end, totally feel free. Uh, we're going to be talking about some pretty old video games, so hopefully you've all played these. Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, where the wonderful plot thing behind this is time halts for no one. With this one, you got the timing mechanics of Majora's Mask test players with stringent time management issues, lest their hours of effort will fail to yield anything but utter failure. This provides an appropriate reflection on life where often it seems like we have all the time and years to achieve our dreams and goals, only to eventually come to realization that life is too late in the night and, or an opportunity has passed you by and the dream becomes an unrealized forever. Whilst life doesn't have to be never-ending stream of rush projects and strict planning, Majora's Mask teaches gamers that time waits for no one and if time will expire, so too will the opportunity to realize the hopes and dreams and journeys you hope to fulfill. I think another thing that we learned about this video game as well is that there's definitely classism and speciesism. I completely forgot about that because I haven't played this yes. game in over a decade, but I love it. Uh, yeah, when Link is turned into a Deku kid, anywhere that he goes, people look down on him, and they are very hostile towards him as well. And that's one of the main things that I do remember about the video game, just being like, what, what is up with these douchebags? <laughs> oh, yes. All depending on which mask you get and all that, because the mask dealer that was in the game was very evil, but a little trivia with this one, whenever they brought, when they made this game, what Nintendo did, uh, they had a year to bring this game out. So that's why kind of the time management thing falls into the whole effect as well. Yes. <laughs> and to help out, they kind of recycled the old characters from Mario for Zelda 64, <laughs> Ocarina of Time. <laughs> they did a little. Um, but again, the puzzles, the amount, there's so many puzzles in this video game. And so that does deal with critical thinking and teaching, again, time management skills, life lesson skills. Um, but for me specifically, classism and speciesism is a main point in this game as well. Yeah. It's depending on which mask you have, turns into whatever character, and then you can actually get more on going by, like with the Zora, you can actually get a lot more things done with that than you could with, the, say, the DQ kit. Mm hmm. But it was still a wonderful game all around, and one of the things, like with the time management skills, if you got to the third, close to the end of the third day, and like you had to play the Song of Time to go back, but everything you collected, yes, in those three days, <laughs> poof, goes away. Which yes. annoyed the hell out of me when I first played this. Like this is not a Zelda game. Zelda does not have time <laughs> limits. But you learn, you figure it out, and you pressure on. 
And next classic video game is Final Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII follows the story of mercenary Cloud Strife, who is hired by the eco-terrorist group Avalanche, led by Barrett Wallace, to help fight the megacorporation Shinra Electric Power Company, who attempts to drain the planet's lifeblood as an energy source to further their profits. Apathetic to the cause, Cloud initially fights for personal gain, and for the promise he made to childhood friend Tifa Lockhart, Cloud eventually joins forces with many others to save the planet, which is threatened by Shinra and Cloud's nemesis Sephiroth, and discovers a reason to fight for a cause other than his own. In general, I think all Final Fantasy games have a strong moral and life lesson teaching background, but for Final Fantasy VII, I find it more, you know, because it's, it's, my, it's my favorite Final Fantasy game. Again, you play as Cloud Strife for the most part of the video game. You can pick other characters to play as well. But this whole game is about finding yourself as Cloud and building your relationship with the other characters in the game as well. In Final Fantasy VII, it is classic good versus evil. We have Sephiroth, we have Cloud, we have Hojo, Shinra, the Avalanche group. I mean, all those good feels, classic tropes. Um... In the end, Cloud does get help with Tifa, especially finding out his true self, dealing with his past demons, his inner demons, and finally succeeding by beating evil. So again, that is one of the reasons that I picked Final Fantasy VII. What are your viewpoints on it? Well, Final Fantasy VII, I've always seen it as the classic United We Stand, Divided We Fall. You Mm -hmm. have so many characters that individually, they want to do something to bring down this evil empire but they can't do it alone so they team they team up and with their combined forces they're able to strike a sword straight to evil's heart (laughs) i agree (laughs) plus i love the gameplay (laughs) beautiful beautiful game beautiful game i love the music (laughs) bioshock infinite now this one your character he Manages to go to the flying city, rescue the girl, save the girl, and fight his way out of this really modern yet backwater thinking city. Because of this one, it's a, as a precursor, infinite cannot serve as a suitable allegory to all religious groups. Because there's a lot of it just bombarding you everywhere. With the whole, with tolerance, love, peace, and communitarianism are the cornerstones of many principled men and women of faith. However, more radical sects that you find in this game who are wholly responsible for capitulating the original message, molding and distorting their ideals in the vein of maintaining order and control into a message of hate and intolerance. There, if you actually t- walk, go through this game and go through the backs, like the, the game developers actually, there's back alleys and everything else. You see stuff there that was pre-civil rights era. Yeah, the the whole lore behind the game is amazing. Um, and again, like with a lot of video games, you can definitely see correlations to real life. Yes. Um, how certain religions or certain movements, um, certain ideologies just overlap. Yeah, but this one is pretty much you need to get past the hate and intolerance and go back to pretty much tolerance, love, and peace. That is the only way that you will survive in this world. The next 
game that I picked out is Fallout 2. Um, a little background. It is in 2241, the primitive town of Arroyo suffers the worst drought on record. Faced with the calamity, the village elder asks the direct descendants of the vault dweller, referred to as the Chosen One, to perform the quest of retrieving a Garden of Eden creation kit, also known as Gek, for Arroyo. The Gek is a device that can create thriving communities out of the post-apocalyptic wasteland. The player assuming the role of the Chosen One is given nothing more than the Vault Dweller's jumpsuit, a Robo Pip-Boy 2000, a Vault 13 water flask, a spear, and some cash to start on their mission. Uh, again, another reason why I chose Fallout 2. It has like 40-something endings, and it all just depends on what you do in the game. Every single decision you make, goes into the whole ending. And it, that's the same thing with life. Every decision that you make has an outcome, has an effect. So... And there is no reset button. There is no, yeah. Unlike, unlike Fallout 2. Yeah, there's no reset button in real life. Uh, so I really like how Fallout 2 really demonstrates how every decision that you make in your life really does have an outcome, and it affects everything. Let's see, the next one we got is... What Remains of Edith Finch is a collection of strange tales about a family in Washington State. As Edith, you'll explore the colonial Finch house, searching for stories as she explores her family history and tries to figure out why she's the last one in her family left alive. Each story you find lets you experience the life of a new family member on the day of their death with stories ranging from distant past to present day. The gameplay and tone of the stories are as varied as the Finches themselves. The only constant is that each is played from a first-person perspective and that each story ends with that family member's death. Ultimately, it's a game about what it feels like to be humbled and astonished by the vast and unknowable world around us. Yes, um, the reason that I really think this game resonates with the theme is that with Lewis's story, he worked in a cannery and all he did all day was get lost in his dreams. Um, and while being lost in his dreams, uh, he gets killed while working. And with that message, it's just don't let your dreams eat you alive. Like, go do those things. Go do the things that you want to do. Don't live a mundane life. If you have bigger aspirations, go follow them. That is true things on everything that you do on this world. Yes. And now we go to the wonderful game of NARC. Yes! <laughs> in NARC, you control one of two police officers, each clad in a brightly colored ensemble of a mass motorcycle helmet and bulletproof armor. Max Force, the blue guy, and Hitman, the red guy. Their goal is to infiltrate the headquarters of Krak, K-R-A-K, <laughs> a drug distribution company and terrorist organization, and take down their leader, the mysterious Mr. Big. None of this is done with any subtlety, as the cops are armed with both machine guns and rocket launchers, and a license to murder anyone that comes in their way. Also, with this game came the wonderful slogan winners don't do drugs though the game has its own catchphrase too no one had the guts until now i love this game uh first of all it was funded by dare uh, <laughs> wow. i don't i don't i don't think any um gen is it gen xers no gen zers right whatever my generation is, it, is. <laughs> millennials should know what this game is but then it's like the zennials is that what's after us i just call us the elders 
So there was an organization called DARE, um, and it would come to schools, and it would educate children on drugs, tell kids what drugs were, but then say not to do the drugs. And yet our drug use has gone up exponentially because of that program. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard reports saying that we don't even know the full damage (laughs) of what DARE has done. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I lived it. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> but it's it's a great fun game. It really is interesting considering that it is funded by Dare. They did really well. I remember we were talking about this game earlier and for some reason I kept thinking it was NES and then I just looked at, typed in Narc and it's like, oh, it's the old arcade cabinet. Now I remember playing this at the roller rink. Yes, they do have it for the <laughs> NES as well. Okay, I, I never played on the NES. I remember playing on the, arc- the old arcade standing there and just getting into it, killing all the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> And yet, with all of this funded by Dare, with all people to keep off of drugs, and all that money that was involved in all of that in the production of the game. So, yeah, we're just going to just uh, scroll right into Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut Up and Take My Money. The first one that we have on our list is Funky S, the world's smallest foldable handheld console. The Funky S is tiny enough to fit on your keychain, while powerful and comfortable enough to let you play thousands of retro games. You don't need to think about bringing another device with you in the morning. It's all there. Oh, it's such a cute little tiny, was it Game Boy SP? So it's like, imagine a Game a Game Boy Micro, and then a Game Boy SP, and then they had a small baby, like a smaller, smaller baby. This was the runt of the lit. This was the Yes, runt. this was the runt of the litter. It is small, okay? Like, it can literally fit on your keychain. It can, your thumbs will be, like, right next to each other while playing the game. Uh, But, I mean, it looks easy enough to play and see. So, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, like I said, with that thing with, Grant, I have huge thumbs, so I can probably just swipe back and forth on those. Yeah. (laughs) But this thing is actually pretty nice. Like, uh, looks like, like. It looks like something that small with that much computing power probably has a Raspberry Pi Zero in it, which those things are pretty small to begin with. But I'm curious how long the battery life is on this thing, especially with that little TFT display they got on there. Oh, here we go. It's a 450 milliamp hour lithium ion battery, which will probably give you about maybe two, maybe three hours of continuous play on low settings. See, I don't know. With games like that, I'd rather just get like a micro Game Boy. Yeah. But then you don't have the option of playing a bunch of different games. Oh, yeah, you just gotta carry. You gotta be like old school, like I did, and carry those little those little cards the size of like four credit cards stacked. Oh Every, my gosh! That's why I remember those. This is why everyone in the eighties and nineties wore cargo pants. <laughs> yes, no, that is exactly why we did. I remember back in the day, uh, whenever I had my Game Boy Advance, uh, I had a hard case for it. And then in the hard case, you had slots for your video games. But still, I mean, that sucker was like a good, like, four or five inches thick. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, but yeah, at least with this thing, I actually got one of the little pictures here where you got open up. So it is a custom board. Probably based off of the Raspberry Pi Zero architecture. Mm-hmm. But, oh, this little guy, it has an SD card slot for micro USB, but you can upgrade that to 128 gigs, and it comes with a 16 gig with it. With the half watt speaker, so pretty much you have to run it on loud just to hear anything because if it's anyone from my generation, our hearing sucks. <laughs> I do like that you can change the settings, but at the same time, 
It doesn't come with all the games preloaded, correct? Doesn't look like it, but there are a lot of emulation sites you can go to to download them. Right. For the average person, I think it would be harder for them to buy this and then look for the emulators. Because if you don't know where to go, you're going to end up downloading a virus. So there's definitely positive sides to it and negative. We we built small, I mean, you've built small Raspberry Pis. I mean, it's not that hard and it's super cheap. In comparison, a Raspberry Pi costs like, what, five, ten bucks, right? Um, this by itself is 71 bucks. Oh, that's about as much as I pay for a Raspberry Pi. But the Pi... But just for the Raspberry Pi, it's ras- like five bucks. Um, for the Raspberry Pi Zero, yes, it's five bucks. Right. But that one has a single core, pro- a single core processor and 512 gigs of RAM, while this thing has 64 megs, but it's DDR2, so it's going to be a little snappier than the Raspberry Pi Zero. So that's a good thing as well. Uh, but still, this little tiny thing, and it's running some so- uh, some of the emulation software. It looks like just by the menus alone was like stuff yes. like half of the Raspberry Pi, which right. you can do NES, Super Nintendo, Game Gear, and you don't really need to put Master System games in there because Game Gear is just a ported of Master System and PlayStation One games. Yes. You can, there's there's a large variety of games. I can only imagine trying to play a PlayStation 1 game on this thing. I mean, imagine playing, like, Final Fantasy VII on this little tiny screen. I cannot imagine. Oh, I know you're going to try it, though. I know. I would try it. I definitely would. Don't even. <laughs> I wonder if they got punch-out for this thing. That would be awesome. Oh, especially when you look at that little one-and-a-half-inch diagonal screen. You're trying to look for the little, the little blinking pixels. Where are you? Know. Where are you? <laughs> Our next game that I found uh, is Death Ground, a dinosaur survival horror game. This reminds me a lot of Jurassic Park, and it also reminds me of Turnock. Turnock? Mm-hmm. Ah. So, you know what? With the way this year's going, I would not surprise if this actually happened in real life. <laughs> I would not be surprised. And this game is starting at 16 bucks. Uh, Death Ground is a solo and co-op survival horror game that throws players into a desperate battle for survival against deadly AI dinosaurs. Ooh. Yeah, so we're not just talking about regular dinosaurs that you recreated with frog DNA. We're talking about AI robots, okay? This is amazing. Um, we got Terminators. We got Terminators. Uh, and you can team up to three players for the co-op games. Only three? Yes. Why not a round number like four? <laughs> the visuals, the game settings, they're all beautiful. Uh, the more games that you play, you unlock more zones, which are different areas in this Death Ground Park that you're playing. Um, so you can go to like the rainy wilderness outside, to the inside of the building. So there's different ways you can play this. The playability of this game is amazing because again it's almost like a death circle (laughs) where you keep on playing over and over and over again and you unlock more things each turn i'm right now i'm looking at the screenshots of the actual gameplay right now of this and i'm just amazed that there's actually a picture of on here a little video of you have to hack the computer yes i'm using air quotes (laughs) And a little progress bar says hacking 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90
I like that the bare level for getting this game is only 16 bucks. That's not bad. Um, I don't see any physical copies yet. This is all just downloadable, uh, but that's not a bad price. Oh, yeah, especially now that I've gotten back into PC gaming since I just got done getting my gaming rig up and going. It's like, yay, more Steam stuff for me to buy. Yes. <laughs> so much from my wallet. But yeah, this is something I definitely play because granted, who doesn't love dinosaurs? They're trying to eat you. Yes. You can find that on Kickstarter. So yeah, this, this would definitely be a four out of five to buy. I would definitely agree. The graphics alone, the settings, uh, the game visuals, they, they, they are very lovely. As long as the soundtrack is good, I'm good for that. Yeah, I can only imagine the soundtrack being amazing since they offer to buy the soundtrack itself. So when you know that they throw that, you know, soundtrack in, you know that's going to be good stuff, man. <laughs> oh, yes. Just think if you had surround sound hooked up, you could hear something lunching in the background. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Now, I know AI dinosaurs are crazy enough, but let's listen to some more crazy stuff in Nani. NYC rats are attacking outdoor diners! <laughs> oh dear god, New York rats, please look at you and go, what is this, raid? Ha <laughs> ha! Okay, first of all, NYC rats are like cats. Like, they're humongous. I would not want to mess with these things. Oh no, no, these things are not, these are bigger than cats. These are the size of a medium-sized dog. <laughs> the city's rats usually survive on the waste that is discarded by millions of restaurants in New York City. Uh, but since the coronavirus pandemic forced businesses to close, these animals have become famished and desperate for food. On June 22nd, the city allowed restaurants to seat guests outdoors. Uh, it kind of resulted in customers encountering hungry rats who were willing to crawl on shoes and tables to get some of the patrons' food. And again, NYC has a big rat problem, but they are close to 2 million rats in the city, which is only third behind Chicago and Los Angeles. The New York rats are famous on so many levels. They they don't. Yeah. They, they are the honey badger of the U.S. They really don't give a fuck. No, I mean, they, they don't. really don't. Yeah. Oh, but these things. Dear God. You're, you're, a little bit of trivia here. You know a New York rat can chew through a through a galvanized pipe? I, I've seen it. I've seen pictures. Like, it's just the level that these rats are out. It's just insane. They just, like, truly do not give a fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my God. I just hope they don't become cannibalistic and then they start eating, trying to eat people. It's just not going to be good. That's our next headline. New York City rats start eating people. Welcome 2020. to August 2020. <laughs> hope you have that on your bingo card. Now, I have friends who live in California and they send me pictures of rats invading their garden and in their backyard and like eating everything that they can. They're leaving the city and venturing out into housing areas in the suburbs trying to eat it's intense okay so here's the plan we capture one we give it the ooze from the ninja turtle ooze and see if we can make splinter that's the key right <laughs> oh my there gosh. but granted with all these rats coming to california and granted with they probably don't know what guns are out there they need to get some because yeah it's hunting season <laughs> <laughs> And our last thing is Assassin's Creed's Valhalla lets you recruit kitty cats. Oh, I'm noticing a theme. <laughs> 2020, yeah, 2020 and 2021 games is going to be nothing but cats. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, kitty cats are coming with cuddles and claws. <laughs> uh, the developer confirmed in the post-show live stream that Eivor, the main character of Valhalla, can recruit a cat to join you on your journey. 
You'll get the cat by helping a Norse child in town, and then the cat, whose name is Nali, will join your longship and become a cat raider, as the developer puts it. This cat will curl up inside your boat. It will also eat rats. Hopefully it can survive against the New York ones. To keep your shipmates healthy and safe, it seems. As you're riding around the rivers of England, you'll see a cat basically walking around your longship, keeping your Viking Raiders company. Baha will releases on November 17th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, and Stadia. Oh, God, Stadia is still around? I thought that created... It is still around. They're still releasing stuff to that thing. I don't know how oh. it's going, though. It's going. I thought that crashed and burned. <laughs> So bad. I'm excited for Valhalla. I mean, uh, first of all, Assassin's Creed, amazing. Their last one, Odyssey, was fantastic. Love the video game. Valhalla, I mean, I'm just I'm just hearing critics raving about it. Like the early releases of it, I, I I'm just excited. the 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 character d- development looks beautiful. The characteristics of the characters that they're designing are beautiful as well. Uh, I'm excited. Everyone's excited. This is like one of the top games that everyone's waiting for. And also a little plus for that, um, it's also going to be released on PlayStation Five and Xbox Series X when those consoles release. But here's the kicker that everyone is going to love. It's a good kicker. Players who have buy it for the previous consoles can upgrade to the next-gen edition for free. That's amazing. That's really awesome. But, yeah, so you're going to have a cat that can be your sidekick. But can you recruit more? Can you have, like, an army of felines? That's what I'm wondering. When I first read this, I was like, wait, are we having, like, an army of kitties? Like, what is what is happening here? It looks like a singular cat. But let's let's hope for more. Let's hope for more. I think I think this is the year of the kitty cat games. Oh yes, with this one, the AI. If you have more than one, the AI is going to go insane trying to do all, <laughs> the, all the cats and their weird thing. If you go into the battle and just stop and start cleaning itself, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> well, guys, that is it for our episode. Oh, and such a fun after-school special it was. You can follow me anywhere at the Raging Erica, as well as tune in for my interviews on Compose.com. And you can follow me anywhere at Dogfin Studios, unless I'm streaming on YouTube. Then it's by the Ring Gamer. You can subscribe and listen to us anywhere on major platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and most other podcatchers. Email us with any questions at podcast at gamingtrend.com. And then follow us everywhere at Gaming Trend as well on social media. Okay, guys, I'll catch you next week. Bye.